And then, boom, you know, when I changed like overnight to started eating good fats, and you know, and I started with, you know, I reintroduced butter and bacon in my diet. What I cut right away is sugar. And for the first time in 20 years, I was able to really cut sugar because I wasn't hungry. And my cravings went away. And I think, you know, like now there's all these books and stuff, but it really is, you know, the, the, I was eating good fats again. So I was, you know, fueling my brain and there's some ketones coming out uh, instead of just kind of sugar in and out or carbs in and out, which especially when you're racing marathons and Ironmans, that's what you're told. Welcome back to another episode of the Anonymous Third Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chura. On today's show, I have Susie York who is an entrepreneur, started this company, Love Good Fats, in her 50s. Yes, that's right. She started it in her 50s. She was an Ironman athlete and a CMO for a CPG company, but she was suffering and she was having these ailments from following a diet that she thought she was supposed to be eating. She was suffering from IBS and a bunch of other things. She tried, after reading a book, to embark on this higher fat diet, lower carb, and it changed her life. Therefore, she created this this company. And on today's episode, we dive deep into what it's like to create a company from nothing, especially in your 50s as an entrepreneur, some lessons learned. When did she know that this company was going to make it? And then, of course, we dive into the diet side. What are some of the fallacies of the high fat diet? What can you do today to maybe reduce certain things in your diet to start to feel better and a whole lot more? I know you're going to love today's episode, throw on those shoes or just relax and kick back. Please leave your comments as always after you listen or watch it. I'll see you on the other side. have such an amazing story when I was doing research and I definitely want to dive into keto. I want to dive into fats, but I really want to understand why you created this company, Good Fats. And I think the audience is going to be blown away when you created it and how you did it. So I'd, I'd love to dive into that uh, first, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So Love Good Fats really kind of came out of an idea after reading a book on a plane on the way over to the National Product Expo uh, four springs ago now, where I realized that uh, after reading this book, The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz, that uh, I've been misinformed. We've all been misinformed for 40 years. Fats are actually essential. And uh, other than some bad fats, the good fats are really, really key to overall well, uh, well-being and health. Um, and sugar was the culprit in that one study by Ansel Keys uh, back in the 60s that got the American Heart Association to recommend against uh, saturated fats and cholesterol and, and started the whole kind of trend away from uh, fats and moving to low fat instead, which I fell into for 20 years um, myself. So my my health was beaten up from 20 years of low fat and trying to be a single mom and have an executive job and do Ironmans in my 40s. And it just wasn't working because I needed that essential nutrient. So this validated the what kind of made sense. And I immediately cut carbs, cut sugar out, and load it up on fats again, which allowed me to cut sugar finally after trying to, you know, be rid myself of sugar for 20 years, which is not an easy uh, feat given how addicted I was to sugar. Um, but then I walked the show and I said, wow, you know, this trend, you know, the front page of Time Magazine and New York Times and LA Times, we're all having more and more articles on fat being back and, and, and butter on the front page and, um, cheeses and meats, uh, and red meat. So I kind of walked the show and said, well, you know, the, it's one of three fundamental, uh, nutrients and someone other than me is gonna see this and see that there's an opportunity to inform the world that fats are back and fats are good, um, the same way as Atkins changed perceptions of protein and low-carb in North America, and the same way as Chobani 
boom, you know, created a, a, a billion dollar brand in the U.S. and changed perceptions. I wanted to fill the shelves with a brand that would change perceptions. And um, there's lots of books written. You know, I read that book and then there was 10 other books that came out, Dr. Hyman and Dr. Mercola. And I'm like, I, I don't need to compete with... Uh, with those gentlemen and write a book. I'm a marketer. I want to create a brand that will play our role in uh, changing the perceptions that, uh, that fats uh, should be avoided as indeed that should be the other way around. They should be embraced. What I was fascinated by is the age of which you decided to create the company. Mm -hmm. You were yeah. how old? Yeah, I think, well, I was just a few months shy of, of 50 uh, when I first got the idea. And then by then, what I decided to do as I was nervously walking the show, I had been at Product Expo for four, four or five years. I'd been immersed in uh, the natural space and the distributors, and I've been helping a lot of startup to medium size, like 10 to, to $100 million brands quite a bit. So I kind of knew the space. I knew the brokers. I'd worked on a lot of the categories and CoQ10 and vitamins and, and magnesium and a bunch and bars. And I was a VP of marketing for 10 years in weight loss. So more conventional and at Weight Watchers. So I kind of had pretty much a good kind of uh, background to have me have a, a lower risk start in terms of knowing what I was doing from a branding uh, and positioning and product perspective. But it was still a big risk. You know, I was a single mom and I was paying child support. I had uh, some savings, particularly from doing a little bit of consulting. It's it's pretty expensive in Toronto to to kind of do it on your own and 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 try to keep your house and uh, and all that. So I had a little bit of savings, and I you know I just kind of took a chance. I had some good connections, and I had some early supporters uh, that came in. I raised a little bit. Once I kind of had the idea on paper, I did the same thing as you do in larger, medium, small consumer packaged goods. I started with the positioning that then allowed to do the packaging, then the product brief, and then from then the P&L, the marketing plans, the marketing brief, the go-to-market. Like it all flows out of the positioning. So I, you know, I started that way and shopped around my idea on a PowerPoint and, and got enough angel investors to commit to a PO for the first production of the first two flavors. And then within six weeks, we were selling like we're number one and two best selling bars in in the in the big Whole Food stores here here in Toronto, and and then that gave us the signal that we needed two more flavors. So boom, within eight weeks in in January, we had two more flavors being produced, and now we had four flavors in four months, and off we go. That then from then it just like took off. All right, I have to unpack a few things there because. It's not easy to go from working for a company to then creating this and just getting in Whole Foods. My first question is, when you were creating this, this company, were you moonlighting? Were you, were you working full time and then had this idea and when you're done with work, you'd focus on it? Or did you just put on the brakes and said, I need to focus on this 100%. Yeah. No, I definitely phased myself in. And I've, I've, I've met a lot, a lot of founders now in the last three years. I, I can't tell you how many I've had a chance to connect with. And there's different models. But for me, I was full-time uh, in my last like CMO job. And then I went to consulting. So I literally, for two years at one point, the, I had four retained smaller uh, VP of marketing roles because they were smaller brands and they didn't, you know, they needed 10 hours a week of my time and they didn't need and there's ups and downs. So I was I was doing um, consulting in that space, but I, I kind of knew like I, I'm a brand builder, I'm a marketer, so I kind of loved having a new client and I hope, you know, one day I can go back to, to doing that. Like I really loved kind of having a new brand, a new client and then solving that problem of the brand's not growing or not profitable and how do we how do we uh how do we figure that out so I was doing that but it was just like temporary like in my mind I was like oh I'm not a consultant uh but I was paying the bills and saving a little bit of money and then then it was super easy because you know once I kind of had the idea and I had the positioning at first I was doing you know after hours weekends and I've always kind of had a pretty 
pretty big, uh, pretty uh, good work ethic. I get up at quarter to five and I work and, you know, I kind of work through weekends. So folks who kind of know me know I'm a little bit intense there and kind of really enjoy uh, work, especially in that discovery phase. So, um, I, so I just literally kind of let one retained client go and had a lot of retained client go. So I kind of went from all the hours I was billing to half to then a quarter. And then I just jumped in. Um, but it's still the same, you know, the first year and a half, I think nearly two years I didn't get paid. And then I was kind of paying myself a really small salary at first just to, to kind of, to kind of pay some of the bills. Cause by then I had kind of pretty much, uh, uh, used up all my, my savings. Um, and, and then, you know, by, by, so when we launched in 2017, we just had a 159,000 in revenue in the first four months. So it was just still me and a lot of call it, uh, contractors, you know, $30 an hour, $40 an hour, help me with the packaging and, and, uh, in the PDFs and, 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 uh, that kind of stuff that I couldn't do, um, all by my, all by myself. But then by 2018, we were five of us, but it like, it just took off like it. So it was just, we were always kind of, uh, catching up and kind of behind on the people side. So it was, it was taxing. Plus you had to do a lot of different things. So by kind of year or two, I had a, a, a little bit of money coming in and I had, I had some people helping. Yeah, that's the that's the part being an on, entrepreneur that isn't super obvious. It it was years before I I created a, a software technology company and in 2013 I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and 2017 just kept going at it and and that's when things finally started turning around and I could pay myself. But it was it was years until that happened. But it's it's not super obvious for people. They see the outcomes of what you've created and now mm-hmm. what it's over a hundred million dollars in sales. Is that where you're at? With yeah, the we well we hit a hundred million uh, over the last three years, so it's cumulative. We're not yeah. at a hundred million annual yet. That's our next uh, target. Well, still, that's incredible that yeah. you you've created something from nothing, and you're at a hundred million dollars. So congratulations there. Thank you, thank you. How did you get into Whole Foods? Was it from your connections? Being well, in the business. Whole- Whole Foods is an amazing banner and they've always been the early supporters of the entrepreneurs and, you know, the whole trend of, uh, founders and natural products and better for you products really between Whole Foods and Sprouts in the U S has been game changer. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, I had with some of the clients I worked with, I had presented to Whole Foods. I was working with, uh, I found, um, a distributor and a broker here in Canada through like the connections that I had already, like a smaller, uh, a smaller broker. And then there's two big distributors in Canada, um, as there are two big ones in the U S too, UNFI, UNFI and here in Canada, Purity Life and in the U S KHE. So between kind of those connections, I, you know, I got the name of the buyer. I went online, I filled out the forms, I got an appointment and I, you know, drove over and had the samples in, in, in my, in my bag and pretty much the, the kind of same, same story of getting listed at Whole Foods and, you know, Whole Foods East, the division here in Canada listed me first. Uh, and then UNFI immediately lists you once you're listed at, at, at Whole Foods. And then I, you know, got, I got listed also at Purity Life, the other distributor. So, you know, with those three, like you're off to the races uh, in Canada anyway. Like, you know, you you have the gift of a proof of concept. So, uh, it, you know, you, you kind of have the right partners. Then it's going to be how well does the your product sell on the shelf because you're you know you have access to 1600 stores with the with the distributors food stores natural stores those distributors are pretty amazing so if your product says well sells well boom you're going to kind of get out to the canadian market of natural health food stores and and the conventional banners that sell in natural if it doesn't sell well you know you you'll be in like we were 10 stores at first, you know, you'll stay in, in 10 stores, but, uh, you have the, the gift of expansion if you, if you have a big idea and that's what happened. And it was just like, 
insane. Like the, the bars were going on the shelf and, you know, I have the, the first round of packaging. I'm, I'm keeping it for, for when I write a book. It, it's pretty bad. Like it's the branding's <laughs> really the box, like the box packaging and the bar. Like it's pretty bad in terms of marketing 101. I was just like, oh my goodness, did I really do that? Um, but despite that, like the name and the product was so, so, so good and unique and never been done before. I was selling and selling. So we quickly, you know, evolved the formula a little bit. There's a few ingredients we wanted to change because we got some, some, you know, we were getting, like, I was getting feedback, like, every day, like, Facebook uh, is was mostly um, the medium back then, then a little bit of Instagram, but I was literally answering every single DM, answering every single email, every single phone call, small stores were calling me, like, I, I was, you know, I was the, like, like, the customer service voice, so it, it was easy to kind of get a little bit of feedback, I was presenting to every single banner, natural banner in Canada, and there's a lot. So I was getting tons of feedback every meeting. So evolved the packaging and the product a tiny little bit, launched the second SKUs, and then launched two more and two more. And then the phone started ringing, you know, the largest banners in Canada, the Loblaws, the Walmarts, uh, the Sobeys, uh, all were calling. And then a year later, Costco called. So um, so it just, boom, you know, got Got the, like uh, a, a really big, uh, strong, loyal, established brand in Canada in two years. So it's is that yeah. Is that typical where they call you? Don't you have to normally pitch to them? Well, in schedule meetings. Yeah, but when you know the like the word gets around, you know when when you have a hot product and it's selling really well, the word gets around really fast because you have your broker and you have your distributors and you know these guys are all in a bunch of different meetings and you know in our case, you know I like I literally was raising money, angel money at the same time as presenting for about two years. And often by the time I, I was on a, like face to face with a buyer, they had, you know, three people tell them about our brand. They had seen my posts on LinkedIn and they had like four other people saying, whoa, like, have you noticed this, you know, brand on, on mostly on LinkedIn. So when, when the brand says sells well, and you know, you're in the market, cause I was kind of connecting with the right folks, the right, right to raise angel funding and also to kind of get help. You know, we were hiring CFO and we were like all of the things that happen. Uh, the word gets around the, 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 the degrees of separation are, are one and two. That's for sure. So, yeah. So, so the phone started ringing in the U S and that's because those banners were looking at our velocities in Canada and saying, Whoa, like those are big, big numbers holy, what's going up, up north? What's going on up north? And then we got uh, invited to a bunch of innovation shows in, in, in the U.S. That's an amazing story. What, was there a point in time where you knew you were going to make it? Like, was there a report from the distributor showing sales and how that how your sales would compare to maybe another like product and you just knew at that point? Yeah, it, it's such an interesting journey. You know, we were always kind of like, not sure yet, not sure yet. So I kind of spent three years with the wait until and only when will we know that. And I, I find that, you know, pretty kind of stressful. Uh, we're kind of living that with COVID a little bit now, even like, oh, post COVID, you know, because the COVID has hit the nutritional bars pretty hard. So it's kind of this, this kind of phase that's now seemingly permanent that, you know, when do you actually pinch yourself and say, you know, we crossed the finish line, like in an Ironman, you know, right. you cross the finish line. And, and depending what kind of racer you are, you know, I didn't ever celebrate too early on. When I got to the last mile, that's when, you know, mentally... I started really like, holy, this is real. And then I would usually get some tears too. I'll probably get tears just talking about it now. Um, but in in business, you know, like, and especially with a startup, it's been like three years of like, okay, well, and then once in a while, I kind of just have to whack myself and say, you know, we've, we've kind of built like a 
like a multi, multi-million dollar brand in Canada, and we're number two, three, depending how you look at the category of brands, like uh, COVID has slowed things down a little bit, but we've, we've, we've established like a brand. So now it's kind of like, okay, you know, take a big breath and we're a bit more of a younger brand in the US. So it's a little bit more like, oh, you know, we're a younger brand and we're competing against a billion dollar brand. But initially, you know, the advice I give to to the other founders is initially, it's exactly as you said, you know, we I did a lot in my networking saying like, what's success for bars? And on average in conventional, it's six bars per week per store per flavor. And in natural, it's 12. So I had probably 40 data points that I was always kind of saying the same thing. You know, once you kind of get there, you kind of know that you're you're robust enough. Another way to think about it is once you get to about 5 million in Canada in bars, like you have an established brand. So unless you do something kind of really bad for a long time or something, like you have enough at those run rates to know that you've created something that will last unless you choose to mess it up and you, you know, you continue to do the right things on how to build a brand. Uh, but at first it's really hard. Like you have no data, you have, you know, you can ask your distributors, uh, you can ask your retailers, not as much your brokers, but like when you're a small broker, you can ask for data. You go to every single store. I was going to the Whole Foods in my neighborhood every single week. And I, I had in my notes, I was counting how many bars were sold. I would ask the store the bar manager, how much did they take from the back and put in the front so I can track. And then I was reporting, we had a little board and some advisors when we didn't have, you know, that many employees it was just me and, and those guys and be like, okay, like look at, you know, all these stores and the banners and, you know, natural, natural, uh, nature emporium and uh, healthy planet and whole foods. How much are we selling at these stores? So you're literally just tracking you know, week on week, like what's the store staff saying and sampling, sampling to the store staff. When you're a little bit bigger and we went to like a larger broker, Acosta NSS, then eventually we started getting POS report. But even that's kind of tricky because you're only getting your brand because, you know, we it's too expensive to buy uh, share data in Canada. So we only buy it like once or twice a year. We buy it weekly in the U.S., but in Canada, it's so expensive. So as a startup brand, you're just kind of like, okay, this is what I'm selling. And then you're like, well, is it good? Right. And you, you kind of had to rely on your broker and the buyer to say, yeah, you know, for a startup brand, this is really good. Oh, okay, great. You know, and that's your data points. It's, uh, you know, you, you kind of like the first two years was kind of like that. And then, um, when we listed in the U.S., we also had the POS data, and right away the buyer at at the the, the banner we were at Whole Foods, right, like we were able to get feedback pretty quick that you know we were off to a really fast start, and then you'd get you know you'd get kind of hints as to what some competitors are doing, or you do. Uh, we eventually started buying competitive data. Um, but at first, you kind of have to rely on a lot of different data points that are not like the big CPG, here's your share summary, and therefore check, you know, if you're on track or not. Was there an email or communication that you just you just embraced as a, a big moment in the company that you just knew you had momentum? Oh yeah, there there is so many. The we you know the the phone call in on June six in um, two thousand eighteen when we found out that Whole Foods was going to list us in the U S. across all their four hundred fifty six stores. I was at brunch with my daughter. Um, and I got the call that, uh, we got the listings in three flavors and literally it was, it was noon. And then, uh, the, uh, a very close board member and investor from day one called me uh, with his wife. And then we, we ordered the champagne and the orange juice and he said, get on FaceTime, get on FaceTime. Cause he wanted to see my face. That was pretty, pretty unbelievable. So I still have that picture. And then, uh, coincidentally I was in Costa Rica on a bus in and out of the mountains on the way over to some sort of like mud something something um and uh we got the call regarding the listings at at walmart in the u.s 
Um, pretty much all of those calls, though, you know, Sprouts um, and Walmart and Kroger and Whole Foods and uh, Wegmans, you know, when you get the calls of uh, listings, like, it's amazing. And then since then, we get the uh, the other calls. You know, they started with three SKUs. Now they're adding two. Now they're adding one. Now they're adding two. Those are momentous moments. Um, there's really two steps. One, get on the shelf. And two, turn a lot once you're on the shelf. Because if not, you'll be off the shelf. So the first steps of getting distribution can often lead to a multiplier effect to drive your velocities. So distribution is really, really key. Um, and as long as your product sells well enough, the more distribution you get, the more of this like flywheel algorithm happens because then you can spend more in marketing and you can spend more in like mass marketing that has a better ROI. Like you can just kind of reach, you know, in, in one city, you can reach 200 stores instead of 20. So your ROI gets better and better and better as you get more distribution and you grow. It's just this awesome economies of scale. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. That, 2018 wasn't that long ago though. So wasn't there competition with like Atkins and keto type bars then? No, like I think the timing worked really well. So I launched in September 17 in 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 Canada in the a couple of uh, you know dozens of natural health food stores here. And then we expanded really really quickly. So the Canadian market's a bit different, but um Walmart and Loblaws are are big players here, and uh, Walmart wanted to be have the first PDQ in North America with the words keto on it because pretty much September keto wasn't really that popular. We started you know hearing about it in in the blogs and Facebook on in January February, but it was just emerging. The, there's huge doctor groups here, like five thousand physicians for low carb. And they, there was starting to be more and more buzz on, on the keto diet for, for weight loss. But that's really just early 2018. And then Walmart had heard enough about it. And they said, like, wow, you know, like no one in North America has a keto brand on their shelf. So, so they worked with me. We jumped through hoops. We did things that have never been done before. We, we wind up with PDQs in May 2018 in Canada with, you know, keto friendly on the front. Um, but it was just starting. Can you explain what a PDQ is? A PDQ is the cardboard. So when you go to Walmart, you have the shelf, but then you have those walk-arounds and the walk-arounds are really where you can get incremental volume. So it's the piece of cardboard that like in the walk-arounds, you have to ship your product in that PDQ, pretty darn quick is the name of it. And you put your, the same at, at gross, at um, drugstores, uh, they have a lot of PDQs. So you just ship your product in that box and then the staff just puts it on the walk around. So it's temporary, but it's, you know, displays is just game changer in packaged goods. So uh, it, it, my advice is always displays, displays, displays uh, to anybody and anybody who will listen uh, to, uh, to kind of how to win in the store. So we, we had displays um, in May, but it was still so, so early on that it really took, you know, January 2019 is where things blew up in, in keto and in Canada. And plus we were in six Costco stores and then, and then it just took off from there. So that was January 19. So 18 was just starting in Canada, but we had more and more of the big conventional banners. You know, I think we were on the shelf in September of that year at the Loblaws and the Sobe. So it kind of took, like, it's a, a bigger machine. It took a while. But then by January 19, like, it, it was really starting to take off. And then we were starting the exclusive tests at uh, at Whole Foods in Q1 of 19. So, it, like, that's kind of seems like yesterday now. And, you know, we had fantastic 12 months, we were in, you know, in one banner and then UNFI US was, and our, and our sales team was helping us present to the other banners and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're on the shelf in this banner. We're doing really well. Um, there was two other brands listed like in the same pog in Q1 of 19 with us. Uh, so it was us and then two other brands. And then the, the the buyer put us all in together on the shelf. So there was R3 and then two 
and then two. So it was all kind of a little section. So the consumer who was looking for keto-friendly would go to that part of the shelf. But we didn't even say keto on our bars until like late 19. So we kind of launched with just, you know, the, the, the macronutrients kind of speak for themselves and the consumer would, you know, in bars, like he or she turns the bar around, the box around and looks at the ingredients. And we had half of them being plant-based and half of them being um, uh, not plant-based and, uh, and they're all gluten-free and soy-free and non-GMO project verified and um, responsibly sourced and kosher. So we kind of hit a lot of the very clean list. Um, and then we eventually put on the box that they were also keto friendly. Um, so it just kind of 2019 really took off. And then we were off to two phenomenal months in January, February, and then COVID hit. And, you know, the, the nutritional bar category has been hard hit, like the, from the big brands, uh, I call the big boys, uh, brands and all the way to startups and, and startups, in the natural space have been hard hit overall. You know, you, you kind of have a trajectory and you're building a brand and you're, you're working in the natural space with your retailers. And, um, you know, the consumer suddenly stopped going to natural banners. They only, you know, either shop from home or did one trip a week instead of the 4.6 that, that she was doing prior to COVID. And so you kind of had, a bunch of things playing against you when you're a smaller, younger, emerging brand. Um, but we're, you know, we're light is at the end of the tunnel. It looks like uh, the U.S. is ahead of Canada in terms of being able to reopen and reopen in a, in a safe and healthy way. And, you know, Canada, the, the news this morning is like, okay, you know, we've now done 30 million vaccines or something and uh, or 17 million vaccines. So we're kind of halfway caught up versus how behind we were uh, three weeks ago. And, you know, I think we're all trying to rush to get kind of get people being able to get out there and live the similar of a life that we were living before. It won't be ever the same because we've discovered new habits, but uh, certainly get back out and about for sure. Going back uh, a second here or a few minutes, you were, you were talking about your team and not knowing if you've, or feeling like you haven't made it yet. Right. And having that, I don't want to call it self doubt, but you're just like, you're just not sure at that yeah. point. Yeah. I thought I could so relate to that because mm -hmm. there was a moment in time in our company when I wouldn't even hire people that, yeah that had jobs. Cause I was like, I don't yep. want to take the risk of them leaving their safe job to come to work yep. for me. And it was years until finally I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I feel comfortable now. And to your, to your point, you're managing so much and there's so much risk every day when it comes to cash flow, when it comes to product yep. and marketing and people that I had the same attitude. And I said, don't call me successful until I sell the business. If, yep. if I were to sell it, but I have, <laughs> I have news for you, Susie. Like, what if that would were to happen, and you're off to an amazing start? Once you do that, you're like, okay, I'm still not successful. Like yeah. that's the way I that's the way I felt about it. It was just this bizarre feeling. But along the way, there's all this risk, and there's all this. Mm -hmm. There's there are so many challenges you face as an entrepreneur. It's hard to even quantify them. Yeah, I think like for me, I always kind of climb these bigger mountains from like, and I didn't kind of know like my DNA and kind of the self self kind of awareness that I have now. But it was always like, you know, you know, a little bit of a bigger mountain and kind of in the subconscious, I think, you know, when this happens then, and that's not the way we all should be living, right? Like we kind of know like being present and kind of celebrating and being proud of kind of what you accomplished, like where you are today and whatnot. And, but there was always kind of like this climbing a little bit bigger mountain, which I think kind of led me to, you know, running 5k to doing an Ironman to doing uh, world championships and doing 11 Ironman. And then kind of this, like, um, this kind of maybe of like, you know, let's kind of push it a bit. I think as an entrepreneur though, uh, and it, and, and what's really, really hard when you're launching a brand, there's 98% 
that don't make it in, in natural. Um, and 80% of innovation in packaged goods is, is not successful after five years. But in natural, the fail rate is really, really high. So I think you have to have that healthy balance of like knowing what really is like, whoa, like this is a big deal now. And the milestones are like, are you a sustainable brand and natural? Check. Because that is in itself a very real milestone. And if you can kind of achieve that, you know that you have a brand and natural and just keep doing the basics and you're good. Milestone one. Milestone two is, do you have a brand that's strong enough to, to survive in conventional? And that's milestone two. And we kind of hit one and two really fast. But again, those 12, 24 months, like I don't know when... Then we had milestone three for us is Costco Canada, because again, you know, Costco has 10 bar brands listed and there's what, 400 bar brands, you know, and there's thousands and thousands of SKUs. So it's kind of like, you know, are we going to be one of the select few at the, at the, the, the club that is very discriminate with which ones gets to get a slot and keep a slot for a long time. Um, so that was kind of milestone three. And then we just slayed it once we, we, we were at Costco and, and, and we started at six warehouses and then went to all a hundred and then, and then they wanted more and more and more products. And, and that's a whole other topic. Um, and then you repeat those three, uh, for the U S so, you know, like, but you really kind of have to know if you're successful in, in Canada or in the U.S. and natural, you have a brand and you can, you, you know, in can if you're only in Canada, you can't hire as many people as in the U.S. Like you're still kind of small, um, but you, you know, you kind of have something. And then depending on how big and how strong that is, you, you might be able to kind of move to having a sustainable brand in, um, in conventional and it's always a little bit of a race because uh, the big boys, like the big CPG brands, will eventually wake up. They're eventually going to say, well, whoa, this, there's this startup here, Canada, U.S., whatever, and they've tapped into this. And then they start looking at their market share. And, you know, the first 12 months, they might not even notice you because, you know, you're below the radar. But eventually, you know, you'll you'll make noise and be noticed, and eventually some of them will respond, which is what's happening right now. You know, a lot, a lot of the large CPGs are launching brands that and line extensions, category extensions that are keto friendly or low sugar, um, and that's benefiting everybody. You know, like the the fact, like my grandiose plan was to use the brand name to kind of share the word that, you know, fats are good and sugars really kind of <laughs> the devil. Um, and the fact that so many large companies are now shifting to, uh, to low sugar options and, and to, to healthy fats in their mix is, is really, really good because it changes, you know, my life has changed. I'm off medication, et cetera. Um, and that's kind of the message, but you know, it's, it's a share battle out there. So you, you, you kind of have to, you know, you know, you have to earn your share of mouth, share a wallet every single day with your consumer. Like you, you can't wake up one day and say, oh, I earned it yesterday. So I got it today. You know, every single day, your job is to make sure that your brand has what it takes to earn that share of wallet and share a share of mouth. And, uh, if you stop doing that, um, even though you had established a good brand and natural or conventional, you'll run into issues. But, um, but if you do a good job to establish a good brand, you can have even a few hiccups and still be okay. Although COVID is like a big hiccup that's kind of yeah. throwing a lot of challenges to a lot of founders and a lot of brand builders, for sure. It's not been easy. We can go hours keep to keep talking about entrepreneurship and building a business and a brand, and it's amazing what you've uh, what you've done. Like truly incredible, and and I could tell just by talking to you for a few minutes that your your uh, your attitude toward this and your your drive is just uh, second to none, and you're gonna you're gonna keep crushing it. But I wanted to go back to the the ailments that you were having and 
and the diet component of why, of why fat. So there's a lot of fallacy out there regarding the keto diet and fats. What kind of ailments were you, what kind of issues were you having? Yeah. From a, from a health perspective, um, the, uh, in my mid forties is where kind of things started going downhill. I, uh, I, you know, I thought I was, uh, healthy enough. Uh, I was on a low fat diet for 20 years and, and that's taken its toll. I'm sure. Um, the, uh, I was working out every day. I was able to kind of train for an Ironman and cross the finish line once a year and between 40 and 47, I was doing yoga nearly daily, uh, off season and whatnot. So I thought I was kind of doing all the same things. And then, uh, late 40, mid forties, the, uh, I was just struggling with my blood pressure and it was just like crazy. I was going to see my doctor and I was like, okay, well, it's kind of, kind of going up a little bit going up and, and it, it was high a little bit during my pregnancy. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And we went through all the checklists and we eventually thought it must be genetic. Cause like, it, like I was kind of going, doing the 10 things you're supposed to do and cutting out salt and cutting out fat and saturated fat and all that stuff. And, uh, and it, it wasn't going in the right direction. So I eventually had to get on, on meds, which was really, really, really disappointing. I really fought hard and was doing everything to try to avoid that. And then I was also, um, having a lot of trouble with my tummy, which is kind of stress related. It's called catch all as IBS, but I would just, you know, get kind of bloated and miserable. And then I'd be like, Oh my goodness. Like I just kind of feel like, Oh, I have a basketball in there and I just want to lay down and I just feel miserable. And it was just kind of inflammation. So, and, and we know that inflammation is, uh, a really big kind of, a really big issue related to, um, nutrition. So inflammation, diabetes, um, and then eventually, you know, uh, cancer, Alzheimer's, all those, but inflammation is a big culprit uh, along with, uh, uh, with diabetes that causes obesity. So I just kind of had inflammation really, and just miserable. So I had medication for that also, and that kind of wasn't working, but I started taking more and more natural products and magnesium. And then I took some, 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 uh, I might've had leaky gut also a little bit. So I was kind of trying to explore with that. Magnesium's definitely a must, uh, in my diet uh, today. And I, and I do take a couple of other natural products, but it, I, I wasn't able to kind of influence it with nutrition. And then boom, you know, when I changed like overnight to started eating good fats and, you know, and I started with, you know, I reintroduced butter and bacon in my diet. What I cut right away is sugar. And for the first time in 20 years, I was able to really cut sugar because I wasn't hungry. And my cravings went away. And I think, you know, like now there's all these books and stuff, but it really is, you know, the, the, I was eating good fats again. So I was, you know, fueling my brain and there's some ketones coming out instead of just kind of sugar in and out or carbs in and out, which especially when you're racing marathons and Ironmans, that's what you're told, right? Like glycogen every 10 minutes and eat sugar every 10 minutes to try to get, you know, your glycogen replaced and keep going. So such a big change in the diet allowed me to, and I never went, I never really followed ketogenic. I was just near, near ketosis a few times, but it's just more low carb for me and no sugar. Uh, it, it like overnight, like the first three weeks I was like, Whoa, like I feel different. And af after about eight months, um, I was doing yoga and I was really, really dizzy and I was nearly kind of passing out standing up. So I, I was taking my blood pressure regularly. And then I just took my blood pressure and it was tanked. It was like, I, I was still on my meds. It was so, so low. So I called my doctor. I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, you got to phase off your meds. And, and it was just, you know, I was just like, wow, like just a shift in nutrition for me, my two prescription medications were, were gone. And uh, that like, that was a bit of a, cause I never, you know, I, I'm, I did marketing in the weight loss for 10 years and I kind of knew ketogenic diet and diabetes and I read all of the science and the science was just emerging with inflammation, cancer, Alzheimer's and all of those. But I never thought myself personally, I can finally, after, you know, eight years of trying to get off my meds, get off my meds by just, you know, changing my nutrition, but it worked for me. So I was, that's just a big big bonus and makes, makes me a uber believer. So when you 
When you say you cut out sugar, did you go to literally zero sugar? Well, I was, you know, a sugarholic. So, uh, like, I I would do a six-hour bike ride because that night I could have, you know, double the brownie and caramel sauce. And, like, I really, really, really crave sugar. I grew up in Quebec and maple syrup. And it was just a really kind of um, big, like, I adored sugar. Uh, and... Um, and I try, you know, five or six times. I'm training for a race. I have a coach. I have nutrition coach. Every, like, mul- friends, multiple times. Oh, you know, you got to reduce sugar, especially, you know, you're you're trying to race a little bit faster and be a little bit healthier. Like, it's not easy to be on your bike for six hours or run for four hours. Like, it's taxing, right? Like, so more nutrition is better. Better nutrition would you feel less miserable, I guess. Um, but I never was a, I was never able to kind of, you know, the longest I went was 10 days with kind of cutting out sugar and then my cravings would come back and, and whatnot. And, you know, I, I, what I did at first is I kept carbs in the morning. So I was aiming for low carbs, but I, I was keeping carbs in the morning. I was still having breakfast. Now I, I fast, so I don't really have breakfast or lunch. I guess I have two meals a day instead of three, but I was still kind of having my carbs. I was just putting a lot of like a, a one, you know, bagel, putting a lot of fat. So I had the triple layer of fat, I call it. And I've had fat in my coffee now for five years, like every day, twice a day. Um, so that was the big change. And then I no longer bought low fat, anything that's banned from my house. And I re, you know, enjoyed like, you know, butter and, and, uh, and meats that, that I had, like, I was anemic half my life and, you know, I'm avoiding red, red meat. So I'm having to take iron pills, which are really not great. So boom, change all that. That was kind of the first 12 months. And then once I realized, wow, I getting off my, you know, my, my, my two medications pretty much at the same time, that kind of happened with a little bit of morning fasting. Like I would just, I wasn't hungry like in the morning. So I would just kind of like have my first meal at noon. And now, now they call it intermittent fasting. When I was younger, they just called it skipping breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works really, really well for me. And then I have my first meal and I'm, I really don't eat sugar. Like I'm, I, I try to kind of like, I aim for zero and I probably have that 25 grams a day cause it's everywhere. But I, I really, really, really careful because like the, I don't enjoy the taste anymore. So I, I, I would do anything for milk chocolate. Like I would just be like, okay, ravaging through the house. You know, I had two young kids, like Halloween was like perfect. You know, there's milk chocolate everywhere for, for a month. But now, you know, I, if I have a craving, it's salty. So I'll, I'll cheat on salty snacks. Like I, I kind of crave the satiety of, of salt and salty anything um, and spicy anything. But I, I really, you know, I'll, like you'll put a kind of a really, you know, sweet brownie or anything, ice cream. Like I, I, Nutella I used to eat by the spoonful. Like that was my treat. And it's too sweet. Like my body just, you know, the taste buds just changed. Yeah, it's amazing how it changes over time. What about fruit and vegetables? Um, you know, the sugar, I really cut out the sugar. And I know uh, this is, uh, is kind of hard for a lot of folks. But I, like it, it's too, the vegetables, of course. You know, I have salads every day, olive oil, balsamic, which, which, uh, but uh, fruits, I, I kind of really cut out that first year. Um, I used to eat a lot, a lot of fruit, right? Like you would have a bowl of fruit and granola and kind of thinking that was the healthier breakfast than the bagel and peanut butter. But um, I, I don't really eat fruit. Like there's, uh, I kind of started phasing out half the fruits because of my IBS. I was following um, kind of a, a diet that kind of helped try to calm the IBS. So, um, and that like, there's half the fruits you should be eating anyway. So that kind of got me eliminating half of them. And then the second half was just like, well, like, you know, I, I, I don't need this extra little bit of sweetness and it kind of, it's not something I kind of enjoy anymore. So I don't like my kids have lots of fruits. You know, we have the bear, the, the big, bag of frozen berries, organic frozen berries as a staple in our house all day long. And, uh, we like all kids love it and they eat a lot of fruits, but I'm, I'm kind of phased out. Mm-hmm. And 
I keep my little treats for for some kind of some salty like fried little treats when I'm going to cheat. Where do people go wrong on a high fat diet? Cuz I've I've seen it go south a few times too where where it almost gives someone permission to eat a lot of just high fat like bacon and like the lower nutrient type foods. Do you see that as well? Yeah. Well, the keto diet, which is 85% fat. And again, I'm more low carb. So I kind of go 50 to to 70 and, and still enjoy some carbs. Um, not, not that many, but still enjoy some keto is very, very strict. Um, the science related to reversal of diabetes and now the emerging, there's 10 clinicals on Alzheimer's, there's a dozen on cancer. They're more with the strict ketogenic diet. Um, and to be in strict ketogenic, like you really are just eating, you know, the, the good fats, 80%, 85% of your calories. That's a lot of your calories really. And, and, you know, uh, very, very limited 25 grams of carbs. So that's hardly anything, you know, you have Mm -hmm. to watch all carbs, all fruits and legumes and anything that's kind of high in, in carbs you have to avoid. So, um, the I think if if someone is just eating a lot more fat and not cutting sugar and carbs, like that's not gonna like that's not kind of healthy. Like you 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 want to kind of reduce your carbs and uh, reduce your sugars. Like if you do anything, like aim for zero in sugar, and you really can't go wrong by aiming for zero in sugar. Uh, like there's no downside. There's no research that says, oh, you need sugar every day. You don't. And sugar is sugar, sugar. So I think if, if, you know, uh, if you're starting to just eat a bunch of, call it fatty foods or, or fried food, you know, like that's not, uh, that's not good fats once you start kind of frying the foods, um, and you don't cut the other stuff like that's that's not really uh, that's not really keto or low carb and that's not really healthy. Um, there's a lot of products on the market right now that uh, that claim to be lower sugar. You know, there's products that are 15 grams of sugar and they're saying, oh, you know, we're lower sugar. That's a lot of sugar in a serving like that's insane. Um, or that have a lot of other not great ingredients, preservatives and different type of fillers. So, you know, you really have to look at the label and the cleaner you can eat, the better. Um, the closest to kind of non-process, the better. Um, and even with that, you know, you're, you're trying to kind of find the organic and the grass fed, like, you know, like we, we kind of know what we need to do um, just avoid like the ultra processed and all of these kind of ingredients that are not necessary. Um, we sell a packaged product and we don't need any preservatives or artificial anything in our bars, but we're still like, you know, a a product that that's in a wrapper. So it's not like, you know, pure butter or pure sour cream or cream or meats or, or vegetables, but, you know, there's a role for the convenience and, and for that that type of kind of less sweet, very filling, lots of fiber and good fats. Um, so it's kind of part of the mix. And I, I know you're an Ironman, Iron Woman athlete, and I'd love to get into that, but I know we don't have time today on how you, how you started um, endurance sports like that. But how has this diet helped you with regards to endurance? I can't wait. Like I want to run another another marathon. It's just been too hectic. Like 12 months ago, I said, okay, now maybe. And then, and then now I'm kind of saying, well, now maybe this summer I'm, I'm back on my road bike. I really, I'm low carb. I'm, I'm low, I'm fat adapted. It's what it's called now. So I, you know, my nutrition is entirely different. I never want to talk, touch sugar on a run or a bike again. Um, only my bars. Uh, but I can't wait to, like I'm 54 and I can't wait to race again. Cause I, I'm 
convinced I'm going to race faster than I've ever raced. If I, I just need to put a little bit more of the training in. I've never done a lot of training um, as a as a rule because I just been so busy. But I did, you know, not too much training with bad nutrition. Now I want to, I want to kind of go back at it. Um, but I, you know, and there's more and more research on uh, keto and low carb on high performance long distance athletes. You know, Ironman athletes, Tour de France champions uh, have been on on uh, fat raced, fat adapted, and then uh, enduro, you know, enduro kind of hundred miler runners and racers and world champions. So there's, you know, there's a whole world out there of uh, being fat adapted to improve your performance in long distance. But I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm not a pro. I'm just like an older mom and I can't wait to kind of get back at it. Cause I, you know, I want to race with my body being fat adapted, fat fueled versus sugar fueled and see what happens. But I got to open up a little bit more time. Has the creating the business taken you away from working out or are you able to still at least work out in the morning and yeah the first two years was pretty bad you know i i had kind of had a lifestyle called an iron man lifestyle that that um I mean, you just kind of work out every day and six days a week and then you show up you do a bit more training in the summer and you show up race day and that you know that's kind of the weekend warrior type of, of of racer that i was and then I had two years where I started the company that, you know, I would try to get, you know, keep yoga once a week and or th- twice a week and little 35 minute runs. But I was, you know, I, it was, I wasn't working out a lot. And that really takes a toll on my mental health because it's a big part of me feeling good about kind of myself and kind of feeling good, you know, just it makes a big difference. But the last year with COVID, you know, one of the blessings with COVID is, you know, I'm at home and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do 20 minutes of yoga in the living room on a video. Okay, now I'm going to do 20 minutes of running and go out. My days were still pretty long, but I forced myself by saving the commute time and, and everything. And things have slowed down, right? Like it's just like our hyper growth was going, growing 5,000%, 500%. And then COVID slowed things down. Plus we had distribution. So I, I've been able in the last year to kind of get back in shape, not in shape to, to run a marathon like we just chatted, but you know, I'm on my road bike now. I've ridden it 10 times and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, this is kind of exciting. So I have no I, doubt that you'll yeah. be running a marathon at some point. Yeah, I hope um, so. I hope so. As we wrap, what's the biggest, what's the one thing, one takeaway that someone could look at their diet today if they're not feeling good or if they're suffer from high blood pressure, what would you recommend that they do? Yeah, just cut sugar. You know, there, there's no doubt you can do nothing wrong by cutting sugar. Like just, you know, when sugar's hiding everywhere, a guavi and sugar this and that and honey and every, all sugar, sugar, sugar in your liver, just cut sugar in a big, big way. And, uh, and for me, I had to increase, you know, fiber and fats to feel satiated. And then I just, that's just kind of changed my whole world. But, um, you know, my kids, uh, all kids, you know, I think like moms seem to all know, cut sugar. Uh, there's no benefit to sugar and there's so much damage, um, with all the sugar our kids are, are eating. So cut how sugar. long, how long does it take before you feel a change or an effect when you cut sugar? Well, I think, you know, the... In about four weeks, you're you're at a really really key place. If you've been able to cut sugar and keep it keep it keep it off for four weeks, you're much more more likely to not kind of have the cravings anymore. Like it takes a little while. Um, you, you can start feeling better uh, with a keto diet. You can start feeling better really really quickly. If you go keto too quickly, you might get the keto flu. But at the four-week mark of a kind of new eating habit and new nutrients going in and less of the bad ones going in, you'll feel the difference. And then you just have to stick, you know, to stay with it. And you're better to do smaller steps than to try to change everything and then not stick with it, as we all know. Because you want to stick with it. Well, congratulations on the company. These bars are delicious. 
Uh, you have to try them in the freezer, try them in the fridge or in ooh. the freezer. The majority yeah. of our super, super loyal users are all telling us, you know, you could look like they either keep them in the fridge or the freezer. We have both, you know, my daughter's in the fridge, my son's in the freezer. They taste totally different. The fat kind of tastes different in your mouth, the mouthfeel. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, give them a shot there too. It's a totally different bar and a different taste experience. And very, very filling. I bet this mint one tastes like those mint Girl Scout yeah. cookies in the freezer. Yeah, especially in the freezer. Yeah, the mint in the yeah. freezer is for sure. The lemon in the freezer is, in, and lemons are bestseller in many accounts. So it's pretty crazy. Very cool. How can people get, uh, get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so well, I'm really or... easy to find. So I'm, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I answer all my DMs uh, myself, and uh, uh, I have a, a personal Instagram, but I don't use it all that much. So LinkedIn is the play, the place to find me. Uh, my email is really easy to find too. If you just find me on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn. but uh, DMs on LinkedIn is the best. The brand's www.lovegoodfast.com. Uh, uh, for our website, and we're also on Amazon in Canada and the U.S., and we're in, you know we're in 1,600 doors across the U.S. So, uh, if you don't find us, ask the store manager, and often we might be in a different part of the store or, uh, or you know harder to find. But uh, we're in more and more stores, and we appreciate all the support. I love your story. I love your tenacity. I know you're going to crush it, Susie. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Anonymous Third Podcast. What an amazing guest, Susie York. I was blown away. 50 years old, started this company. It's over $100 million all over the US and Canada. Love good fats. I went into this episode thinking we were going to dive deep into keto and really focus on kind of a high fat diet, but it wasn't that at all. It was, it was her practical sense of just eliminating sugar and moderating her carb intake. And I think it was eye-opening, especially for those that are suffering from IBS or brain fog or anything like that. It goes to show you that you can always try something new and it's obviously worked for her. And she's built an amazing business out of it. There's so many lessons learned in this episode. I could have talked, I could have talked to her forever about the entrepreneurship side and building a business that is super fascinating to me, but how she did it in such a competitive market is, uh, is just incredible. I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, leave a comment. Your feedback is very important. Share it, like it, subscribe, follow, do whatever you got to do. But again, your support means a ton. Until next week, remember you, me, we are not almost there.